Hallelujah. Maybe we got something going now. Amen. I'm about ready to do away with all this electronic stuff and everything. Go back here on my nine acres and build a brush harbor. Hallelujah. Lord, anybody know what I'm talking about, a brush harbor? You know what I'm talking about, a brush harbor? Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. But we did. You notice we got this going. And uh, Brother Marty don't have to crawl up in the attic. Uh, I found, I used one uh, uh, on eBay, really extremely cheap, uh, a whole lot cheaper than what I was going to the cord by cord long enough is going to really be high in HMI cord. So I said, well, we'll give this a try. And I got it hooked up when I got over this evening. So praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. I want to welcome everybody that um, may be watching uh, by the live stream uh, this evening as well. And we're still talking about understanding the authority of God. Um, where we started last week, the third and final part, part three, which is authority in the church. And uh, we didn't finish... Uh, then, and I don't know, it's going to, I don't think I'm going to get everything covered uh, this evening. Um, so we'll go as far as we can, and if we don't, we'll uh, wrap it up uh, next week. Now, last week, and I got, if you notice on the screen, uh, a... Um, diagram here of New Testament uh, church government. Uh, the Old Testament had a, uh, those people, the patriarchs, had a form of government that they followed. But the New Testament, when the church come along, uh, developed something uh, somewhat different. And today on this side of the cross, uh, we're under the New Covenant. We're not, we're not under the Old Covenant, which was a schoolmaster, the Bible calls us, to bring us to Christ. But once he came and it was taken care of, the Bible says we're no longer under the schoolmaster. And so the church is a New Testament institution. Um, we talked last week about the church being an organ, uh, organism, a living organism, and also an organization. And mainly what we talked about last week when we read the scriptures, Christ is the head of the church. Um, no one else. The pastor's not the head. Um, no one else. Uh, uh, the pope is not the head. Uh, and uh, I, I, I don't care um, uh, what people bow down to or, or whatever. Uh, if, if if that man was to walk in here uh, uh, tonight, I'd offer him a seat, but I would not bow and kiss his ring. Hallelujah. There's only one I bow to, and that's Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. Amen. I don't worship nobody else but Christ. Hallelujah. So Christ is the head of the church. And then he delegated authority uh, down through a system that he ordained. Uh, and uh, we are to follow that. And I told you back when I started this, um, I, had, I haven't taught this as much as I should and as in deep as I should uh, because I get in some of these things. I don't want people to think, well, uh, that I'm referring to me and I want people to follow me or do this, whatever. But it's, it's not the man, but it's the office. It's, it's the office that we're supposed to respect uh, and give honor to. And so you can see uh, uh, Jesus Christ being the head come down through the apostles. Uh, there's prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And there, there's a few others involved that's part of, of that process, too. It's not on this uh, a graph right here, but we also in the New Testament they put deacons in place, um, and deacons has a, a specific uh, role in leadership, uh, and uh, it's there there to be ordained as well as a preacher, uh, and so um, that's the basic um, outline uh, of that. Tonight, we're going to talk about the five-fold ministerial authority. Five-fold ministerial authority. I'm glad this is going out live stream that more people will be hearing than just us here tonight because I'm, I'm going to get on one of my pet peeves. And, um, but the first thing, apostles... Uh, and we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 11 through 16. I'll go ahead and read all of that, and then I'll come back and talk about it. I don't think we'll be able to cover all of these uh, tonight. Uh, and so this is what it reads like. And he himself, and that's talking about Christ, Jesus, the head, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Here's what they were given for. For the equipping. Now, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Um, the original King James, I believe, says perfecting. Uh, but for the equipping of the church or the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, everybody say all, come into the unity of the faith. See, we're talking about without these ministries, uh, there's not going to be no cohesiveness in, in, in our doctrine and in our teaching, our faith, people ain't going to know what they're going to believe. Amen. There's got to be a unity. Paul wrote 
the Corinthian church, he said, I would that you all speak the same thing. Now, I know we're falling short of that a whole lot today, uh, about country mile. But it's the will of God that the church, uh, uh, and that we all, we all get on the same page. We all need to be on the same page. Um, because if we're not, people in the world are going to be corn-fused. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> corn-fused, to say the least. Um, uh, Brother Douglas, if you and I can't come together, and, we, uh, and we're bashing it back and forth, arguing all the time, whatever, and you got somebody come in uh, that um, uh, don't know anything about the Bible, know anything about the church, they ain't going to know which way to go. They ain't going to have a clue. That's why we, there's got to be a unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. So, there you go. You've got, you've got that five-fold ministerial uh, leadership and we t- read to you what it's about. And the first one, he said he gave some to be apostles. Now, there's a l- going back to all speaking the same thing. Man, there are people in the body of Christ just goes haywire over this stuff. And it's hard to get people together on what's what's what, and uh, and I've talked to some that we've had visit here. They think just because he said um, he put apostle first, that you know that man that's the, that's that's the highest calling. And you got them. You you see them on the TV. You see them on the radio. They they're everywhere. A dime a dozen. Here's apostle so and so. Apostle this. Apostle that. Uh, they love them titles. They love them titles. But let, let, me, let me read something here to you that I prayed very strongly about and I asked God to give me the right words that I wanted to bring this down and break this down uh, the best way to be understood. The apostolic ministry... He gave some to be apostles. The apostolic ministry represents part of the foundational structure of the body. That's why apostles comes first. It's part of the foundation of the church. It's it's the foundational teaching and doctrine that the church is built upon. We are not to lay any other foundation than which is put in place at the beginning of the dispensation of the church. Amen. We are not to lay any other foundation than which was put in place at the beginning of the dispensation of the church. We are still in the process of building upon that foundation laid by Christ and the original 
apostles. Okay. Listen to pastor. I do not believe that we got apostles running around here today that God has put in place that's on the same caliber as the early apostles, Apostle Paul, James, John, and all the rest of them. My first contention about that is this. If I, if I, if I had a, a, a true uh, apostolic calling and I was an apostle on the same level as the Apostle Paul, I would have the authority to open up the end of the Bible and myself my own book. Amen. But I don't have an authority. Now I can go in my office back there and I can write a letter to uh, another church and send it to them or this church over here and send it to them. I can write as many letters to people and individuals. I can sit down and write you a letter, but that letter ain't going to never be added to the Bible because that revelation is closed. There's nothing else going to be added to it. The apostolic ministry is the foundation of the church from which everything else is built on. Now, I'm, fixing, I'm going to give you some scriptures here just in a second. But look at it like this. The apostolic ministry, I remember going downtown. Now, you, there's all kind of buildings being built. It's going, it went crazy down there. They put more than what they needed to put down there. As far as I'm concerned, they need to start putting more money in the outline there as we've, uh, instead of pouring everything right in the downtown there, they need to work on East Nashville and South Nashville and some other places. But when they're building these big buildings, Brother Douglas, you notice something they put up first that goes around for the uh, workers to get up on. I'm talking about scaffolding. When they get a building complete, and that building, uh, they get, get an occupancy permit, let me ask you, does the scaffolding stay in place? There comes a time for the scaffolding to come down. The apostolic ministry in the form of Peter, James, and John, and uh, Apostle Paul, and all those, they were the scaffolding of this great church. And what we are doing today, we are building upon the foundation that they laid. I can't add to that foundation. All I can do is preach to you and teach to you what, what that foundation is. But I can't add nothing to it. If I get up here and start adding to it or taking from it, I'm a false prophet then. I don't have the authority. I can't go on a 20-day fast and have an angel appear to me and say, I want you to add this because 
the word of God is not going to come and appear. An angel not going. A true angel is not going to appear to nobody and give them something to add to, because the book has already said, "Don't add to and don't take away." That's one of the problems that we got today. Hallelujah. We are still in the process of building upon the foundation laid by Christ and the original apostles. Now, um, let's see. First Corinthians three and eleven. For no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Three, uh, three and eleven. Okay, yeah. I, I got that one in here twice. I was r- rushing to get this done but in there twice. All right, so I, I'm going to get ahead of myself now. Um, let me back up. No other foundation can be laid than which is laid. Uh, that's the foundation. Amen, that we're to follow. Now look at here. Notice what Ephesians 2 and 20, that's what I've been looking for. Having been built, notice that past tense. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The apostles came Jesus spent three and a half years training those men to lead this and to get everything set in order once he went away. And everything, and we were built upon that, and everything we are doing today still, amen, we are um, um, still on that same foundation. Hallelujah. So the apostolic ministry, I feel like now I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my personal conviction here. I believe the closest thing that we have today to apostles are missionaries. Because notice what the apostles did in the, in the New Testament. They went in other places where the gospel had never been preached. They set up churches, and they ordained elders that had to go from there somewhere else. What does a missionary do? Same thing. Amen. Uh, and that's, that's as close to an active apostleship that, that I can find nowadays. And, uh, you know, we got... Sister Mary Mitchell in, in Mexico, great lady, fantastic lady that's been years there. She has uh, uh, started uh, five churches, 
And uh, each one of those churches now has got their own pastor. Uh, and they're functioning fully and doing the work of God. Um, Brother Carl Angle, he had an apostolic ministry. I don't think nobody in my lifetime has come close, but even the UPC recognized him at his death. I remember a write-up that was put out on Brother Carl Engel, Bishop Carl Engel, in his lifetime, in his ministry. He, he started on his own or helped start and organize 93 churches. 93 churches. That's how many that the United Pentecostal Church gives him credit for. They have him listed as being a pioneer of the apostolic faith in the United States. Uh, that is something else. All right, let's go to and talk now about the prophetic ministry, the prophets. A prophet's primary function in the Old Testament was to serve as God's representative or ambassador by communicating God's word to his people. Now I'm talking about the Old Testament prophet right now. True prophets never spoke on their own authority or shared their personal opinions, but rather delivered the message God himself gave them. Many of the Old Testament uh, books if you go back in your Bible and you look at them Old Testament books, the prophets, they begin with the words, the word of the Lord that came to me. You see it in Joel. The word of the Lord that came to Joel. The word of the Lord that came to Micah. The word of the Lord that came to Jonah. And so on. It was God's word that came to him. Prophetic ministry was not restricted to men in the Old Testament. You know, a lot of people want to try to put uh, chains and and bondage uh, on on women folk, but they were women prophets in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, They were called prophetess. In the New Testament, let me just give me a couple examples. Because, uh, like I like I thought, I mean, I'm not going to be able to uh, uh, get all everything off tonight. Moses, everybody remember Moses. He had a sister, and she was a prophetess. Well, let me let me see if anybody knows Moses' sister's name. Hmm? Miriam. The Bible called her a prophetess. Amen. And she was a sister of Moses. In the book of Judges, you'll find a, a lady by the name of Deborah who was a prophetess. In the book of Judges, that's just the name too. In the New Testament, uh, Philip started out 
being a deacon, he was ordained as one of the seven deacons. But he did his job so well and was so um, involved in it and put everything he had into it that God moved him from a deacon to an evangelist. And Philip uh, began to evangelize and preach. And he had, it's either four or seven, I think, four daughters. The Bible said, and they all prophesied. Every one of them. So I just wanted to add that in and make mention uh, that uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God used women in the office uh, as prophets. Um, the Bible illustrates various ways how the word of the Lord come to a prophet. Now, both in the Old Testament and also in the New. Now, I told you and I, uh, that they didn't speak on their own authority, but the word of the Lord come to him. How did that happen? How does the word of the Lord come to somebody? Um, well, of course, there's an audible voice. Some of them heard audible voices. And then there's that internal voice that God speaks down in here in somebody's gut. I mean, once you, you hear it and you learn what it is, you, you know when it's God. Amen. God has spoke to me uh, that way a lot of times, told me to do various things uh, um, about maybe God's, it's God's will for, you know, to, to send a certain amount of money to do this and do that. And God always blessed, uh, blessed that. Then there were dreams and visions that came to, to prophets. Um, but you've got to be careful. You learn as you go along. Not every dream you got comes from the God. Hallelujah. Some of them dreams might be called from too, uh, too many pinto beans and onions and cornbread <laughs> before you went to bed. Uh, or one too many tacos. <laughs> Struck a nerve back there. Hmm. Hallelujah. I know now, I know now, Brother Kyle comes in here one Sunday and says, I, I, I'm going to prophesy, I'm a prophet. I'm, first thing I'm going to do is say, did you eat any tacos last night? <laughs> In the New Testament, the prophet and preacher are linked close together. But there are distinctions. There are still distinctions. Uh, John the Baptist, he was a New Testament prophet. Um, and he also preached and declared the word of the Lord. Uh, I'm going to, um, it's closing 
time, so I'm going to, if I can find just one scripture, I'm going to read that. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. And in those, these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. I'm talking about prophets. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and, and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So prophet ministry was very active in the New Testament church, and God uses them also today. And, um, but it's, we always got to remember that Christ is the head and everything comes down through him. Let's all stand together. Lord, we come tonight, we thank you and praise you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you, God, for this service tonight, each and every one that's here. We pray for all those needs and prayer requests that was mentioned earlier. Keep them, Lord. Take care of each and every one. And as we separate tonight, keep everybody safe on the highway. Keep watch over each and every one until it's time to meet again. In Jesus' name, let the church say, God bless you. We love you in the Lord.